This is Sam Glynn, and you're listening to Cyber 321, plain English cyber in three articles, two numbers, and one action. It is June 17th, 2022. And in the first of three articles this week, the Register recently reported on the opinions expressed by cybersecurity leaders at a recent RSA security conference. The article discusses how the Russians have seen success worldwide, penetrating networks and dropping malware. However, the Ukrainians are able to rebuild their networks within hours. They've got backups ready to go and they can rebuild it very quickly and very efficiently. And that's something that we don't practice here in the West. Ukraine has also provided an on-the-ground view of how to do incident response amid falling bombs, blackout conditions and blocked IP addresses. It's a reminder that your cybersecurity defences aren't just about blocking an attack, they are also about minimising the impact of a successful attack. And that first article brings us to the topic of incident response planning. And a short article by the National Law Review in the USA explains why an incident response plan is so valuable and the key elements of such a plan. As the article states, an effective incident response plan can strengthen your business's data security prior to an attack, facilitate an effective response to any attack, speed your company's recovery from an attack, and help shield it from legal exposure in the event of any follow-on litigation. The article goes on to describe the key elements of an incident response plan, including identifying who will be on the incident incident response team, which key external vendors you will need, for example, for the IT investigation, the insurance assessment and legal representation. And finally, the key things you will do in the initial hours of your response. Incident response planning is the subject of this week's action, so I will come back to this topic. And in the third article this week, TechCrunch reports on a recent revelation about the DuckDuckGo search engine. If you haven't heard of DuckDuckGo, it sells itself as the privacy-centric search engine, which should be used by anyone who is sick of being tracked online. Unfortunately, a Twitter user and DuckDuckGo auditor, Jack Edwards, has found evidence to suggest that they have removed some bricks from their impenetrable wall of privacy, enabling Microsoft's LinkedIn and Bing platforms to still track you. We all have different views on privacy and we may draw the lines in different places. But for an organisation that sells itself as privacy-centric, to be caught carving out exceptions for preferred partners is disappointing. DuckDuckGo may duck the responsibilities here by saying the deal with Microsoft had been publicly announced. But it doesn't matter if the deal was in the public domain. I'm sure DuckDuckGo users would go elsewhere if they knew their perception of the service was different from the reality. And to top it all off, I actually think the core DuckDuckGo service isn't that great. I find the relevance of their search results to be very hit and miss. I personally prefer StartPage, which is another privacy-centric search engine, although perhaps that is only until some other researcher finds flaws in their privacy settings too. The first of two numbers this week is 80%. And that is 80% of organisations that paid a ransom as a result of a ransomware attack were hit by ransomware a second time. That's according to a study by Cyber Reason, a cybersecurity vendor, and based on the responses of 1,400 cybersecurity professionals. The second number this week is 68%. And according to the same study, of the 80% of victims that experienced a second ransomware attack, 68% of them suffered the second attack 
within one month of the first one, with the attackers demanding a higher ransom payment the second time around. As Mike Parkin of Vulcan Cyber is quoted as saying, the bottom line being that once an organization suffers a successful ransomware attack, they need to up their game so it doesn't happen again, because it will happen again. And while the victim may not admit to the public that they paid a ransom, you can bet the attacker told their peers about it, which just makes the victim more of a target. When we think about the impact of a cyber attack on our business, we usually focus on the business disruption and emotional stress that will arise from one attack. I'm not sure many of us want to even think about the disruption and stress of a chain of ongoing or recurring attacks. So on to the action this week. And as I mentioned earlier, and following on from the article in the National Law Review, it's time for us all to think about our incident response plans. You might think that the benefit of a response plan is to reduce the impact of an attack because you know how to respond to an attack. The clue is in the name of incident response plan. However, by working on the response plan, you naturally identify things you can do now to reduce the likelihood of a successful attack. To use a simple example, if you think about what you will do if a staff member tells you that they may have been fooled into revealing their password to their online email account, it's likely to include the following. You'll need to see what the criminals did while they were able to access the employee's account. This would probably be difficult as the system may not record lots of logs of activities beyond who logged in and from where. They may not even tell you when they logged out. So therefore you won't even know how long they're logged in and what they did while they were there. So you'll have to assume the worst. That the criminal downloaded all of the employee's emails and now has a permanent treasure trove of knowledge about your organisation its employees, clients and suppliers, which moves you on to needing to report to your data protection regulator, which in Ireland is the Data Protection Commission, because you will find that this treasure trove contains a lot of personal data about your employees, clients and suppliers. And then you may need to warn your clients and your suppliers that they can't trust emails that seem to be coming from your organisation anymore, because the criminals have significant knowledge about who is who and are likely to use that in future phishing attacks. So when you think of the implications and how the likelihood of an attacker gaining access to an email account is significantly reduced by requiring the use of multi-factor authentication on all of your email accounts, you will hopefully realise the value of implementing multi-factor authentication wherever it's available. Once MFA is in place, your response plan for this type of incident could be very clear and simple. The impact of such an incident should also be minimal, as the exposure of a password will not be sufficient for a criminal to gain access to your account. So strangely enough, by working on the incident response plan, you may reduce the need for the plan, because your additional defences, which you identified while you were developing the plan, will reduce the likelihood of an incident in the first place. So take five minutes to read the National Law Review article and get writing. I've spoken a few times about incident response planning in the past, so if you need help, uh, search for incident response planning at codeinmotion.ie or look at my free guide to the basics. And if you want more tailored guidance or someone to lead you through this process quickly, then I can help, so get in touch. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care.